This is the Buzz Adams Morning Show Podcast. Barstool Talk Daily. Except it's really early in the morning and no booze. For the most part. Thank you so much and good morning. Welcome everybody to our show for this Thursday morning. Getting ready for the weekend. We can almost see it from here. It is Thursday and it is October the 15th. Thank you for joining us today. And we have a lot coming up on the show today, including uh, comedian Steve Byrne, who has a new movie that's coming out. So Steve Byrne is uh, kind of part of that whole Bill Bird, uh, Tom Segura crowd. Uh, He's got a movie coming out, so we're going to talk to him a little bit later today. We're going to go around the room and share what everybody is uh, working on different departments here in just a few minutes. A lot of people are are not happy with the way they're setting up these. Uh, well, it was supposed to be tonight was supposed to be the second presidential debate mm-hmm. between Joe Biden and Donald Trump. And uh, Trump wouldn't do it if, if it was done remotely. He's and, like, I'm not doing it. And the people who run the presidential elections weren't willing to do it uh, in person after the president's COVID-19 diagnosis. So Trump said he's not doing it remotely. So they're not debating. They're having town halls. Joe Biden announced that he was going to have his town hall uh, in this time slot tonight. Mm-hmm. And then a few days later... Trump said, me too, me too. Yeah, well, on a different network. So on NBC. And a lot of people are thinking, oh, this is just going to be whoever you're probably going to vote for. That's who you're going to watch. Which is not the idea of these debates, is to right. see them kind of side by side and how they answer questions. On the on the other side of the coin, though, you'll get to see Joe Biden finish a finish a sentence without being interrupted. Yet, so. We have not, not not in that first debate anyway. This might be a crazy recommendation, but maybe try this: whoever you're leaning toward voting for. Watch the other guy. Mm-hmm. So if you're leaning toward voting Biden, or if you're definitely voting, voting Biden, maybe watch the, the Trump town hall. And vice versa, if you're if you're going to vote for Trump or leaning toward voting for Trump, maybe watch the other side. Because really, you're just tuning in as a fan if you tune in to the guy you're already going to vote for. Right. Or you could, here's the thing, you could DVR it. And watch them later, but anybody who goes to that kind of trouble probably has already decided who they're going to vote for, right? Anybody yeah. that's that engaged in the political process that they're going to record probably has made up their mind. I, you know, it's a pretty small sliver of voters that don't know who they're going to vote for at this point. But I don't know. Maybe somebody could be. I guess there could still be some fence straddlers. So yeah, that's kind of a crazy recommendation. So whoever you're more in favor of right now maybe watch the other guys town hall um you know or or if you've made up your mind why would if somebody's made up their mind i'm definitely voting for this guy why would either one of them watch the town hall you know just to find out you think you're gonna find out something about their decision well they have their own talking points the next time they're trying to debate somebody from the other side right yeah i but i think I mean, while your plan is a good one, most people won't do that. <laughs> well, think about doing it. 
I mean, that would really take you out of your comfort zone, and you'd get to yeah. see the guy that you disagree with answering uh, questions. Nah. Nah. Yeah, Just, that's, that's how most people think. Yeah, I know. Like, I'm um, trying to help you. So we've got that on the way. We've got good news, bad news of the week. We're going to delve into that coming up in about an hour. Let's go around. Everybody, uh, tell me what you're working on today. Let's start with entertainment news. Joanna, what do we have coming up in entertainment news? Adam Sandler is floating around the idea of a Sandler cinematic universe after this release of Hubie Halloween. That was my head hitting the <laughs> microphone. That Okay. That would be terrible. Like if they got together, that would be terrible. if all of his characters got together to form kind of like a yeah. sucky Avengers, you'd Listen, have Bobby Boucher, it would be Lil terrible, Nikki, but we'd watch it. Happy Gilmore, Billy Madison. I'd watch it. I'd watch. I it. watched Hubie Halloween, and I was pleasantly surprised with that. You don't want to see a movie with Billy Madison and Happy Gilmore in the same scene? <laughs> Come on now. Who, who, they with would, they would fight. They would fight, and Bobby would win. No, Happy would win. Oh, see, no, we see already Bobby. Bobby is the one with the strings. He's good at tackling. He's not happy. Good. Gilmore got his ass kicked by Bob Barker. <laughs> yeah, that's a it's really true. good point. Well, but that's only because that's the only way Bob Barker would do the point. Like they had it written that Happy wins the fight, and Bob Barker said, "No, either I win or I'm not doing your." And then all of a sudden, <laughs> Jughead will show up from Riverdale and be like, "I'm his son, remember?" And then he just beats up everybody. Oh yeah, what? <laughs> Jughead from Riverdale. It, that was the, the son on who, Big Daddy. Uh-huh. It is? Yes. Frankenstein? Also, yeah, Frankenstein. Also, Bob Barker, not the first choice for Happy Gilmore. Mm. It's actually Ed McMahon. Oh, it would have been great if he went, hello, every time he punched him. That'd be great. The price is wrong, <laughs> bitch. <laughs> See, you, you don't get that line if it's Ed McMahon. Yeah. yeah. Uh, all right, so we got that coming up in entertainment news. Lisa, how about news? News. What do we have on the horizon today? Well, first and foremost, just for our listening area, real quick, it is El Paso Giving Day. So this is a really big day for giving to nonprofits. Um, in the next 24 hours, any donations that are given through the El Paso Giving Day website, Walmart will be matching. So I believe they have $100,000 that they are going to be giving to local nonprofits. So anything that you give today, Walmart will match as long as the funds are available. So if you have a favorite charity that you like to donate to, today is the day to do it. You can go to our website. We've already posted on there uh, different information. And there's also different giveaways that you can do. So the first 50 people to give away, they're going to be in the running for uh, $250 dollars to be given to the charity of their choice there's up to a thousand dollars that your charity could be given um extra today so el paso giving day it is happening right now so you can enjoy okay uh on the healthcare front medicare their open enrollment period it is beginning today and people are being urged to review and choose the plan as soon as possible especially due due to the pandemic they say that medicare and health and drug plans um, they can make changes right now to your cost coverages and providers, but that opens up today and it runs through December 7th. So just a little adulting that you need to do today by making sure that you have the health care plan that's going to help you the most. Oh, I already got a vote. That's enough adulting. Oh, no for the kidding. Next, like, month. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like that should oh. take up the whole month. Don't make me make any kind of insurance decision. Ugh. And we're like, oh, I already have to vote. And then me thinking, 
Brandon, maybe that was their plan. They're like, yeah, there's in-person voting inside the mall, yeah. but you have to walk around and find it and possibly buy something. Yeah, it's at the old GNC. Like, I, I walked by it. But you didn't realize it was a polling station? Well, I noticed I noticed that He's the like, GNC I'm here for stuff, protein? Yeah, I noticed that. I'm like, you guys got any whey protein here? <laughs> but I noticed it was, it was, like, the shelves and stuff were empty, and there was a line coming out. And I'm like, I wonder if they're just having some sort of a big sale, and you walk up and you just ask for, like, hey, give me some pre-workout mix or something. I'm just imagining Brandon walking by, hello, what, what's going on in there? Yeah, I'm, like, looking around, I'm like, what's going on here? No, they're voting. Third and final uh, day of questioning on the Hill for uh, Supreme Court nominee Amy Coney Barrett. And they were asking her, well, what are your views on climate change? And then they, she wouldn't answer, and they asked her, no, put the judge thing aside for a second. What are your views on climate change? They, it, it, I don't think they ever got an answer. But No, they didn't. She did very well with 80, like uh, avoiding all answering all questions, which is kind of shocking because, I mean, you had RBG, like when Ruth Bader Ginsburg went up there, she flat out said, I think abortion should be the right and the choice of the woman. And while she was shocking in the sense that she actually uh, verbalized this uh, opinion, uh, but she did it in front of the Judiciary Committee. And it got she, confirmed anyway. 93 to 3, I think, or 96 to 3. She had a mm -hmm. huge margin. Um, so... She, I mean, but Amy Cody Barrett, it will it, not answer anything. Anything. Try to imagine taking Jello like right out of the mold, and then you're going to nail it to a wall. Mm -hmm. it, that's about how hard it was to get Amy Cody Barrett to give a, a like an actual opinion on something, yeah, or answer a question. I, I mean, impressive that she was able to go through an entire three days of uh, questioning and not answer one freaking question. But at the same time, it is it's frustrating because. Other justices have done this. And so I, I I don't personally understand why you will not. She's like, well, if you know, this is um, a contentious or it's a controversial matter. Uh, yeah, yeah, that's why that's why they were asking. That's part of the job. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> that's literally your job. She's like, this sounds really hard. Um, all right. So uh, that has wrapped up and I'll have some clips of that coming up in today and sound clips here in just a few minutes. Brandon, how about sports headlines? What uh, is leading off on our sports today? COVID-19! Alabama! Nicholas Saban, also known as Nick Saban, the head coach of Alabama. He's tested positive and they have a big showdown, Alabama versus Georgia, coming up this weekend. So he had to leave the team facilities. There's been talk that he might try to coach from home. But like zoom in? Yeah, but we aren't quite <laughs> sure about that yet. And uh, the big showdown between the game, which, well, not as big as it would have been because LSU's not in the top 25 anymore, but uh, Florida's taking on LSU this weekend. Uh, not anymore. Because remember, the Gators, their head coach last weekend said, I want 90,000 people uh, crammed yeah. into the swamp. Right. Uh, well, the Florida Gators had to put a halt to all football activities because of COVID-19. And now that game has been postponed. They have a The SEC has a bye week for everybody on December 12th. and So any, if they only miss played. one game, they can make it up on that day. Yeah, so they're, they're now going to be uh, playing that game there. It's also the second SEC game to be uh, postponed, not canceled, postponed this weekend as the uh, Missouri-Vanderbilt game has also been postponed. But Alabama, Alabama's, are they number one in the country right now? No, Clemson is. Clemson is number one. All right. Uh, no, that game is still scheduled to go on. Is, uh, there, the there's no alteration tests, to the to the uh, other, Alabama game. Yeah, other than Nick Saban not being there, 
And I, th- I believe their athletic director also tested positive. But as far as the players and everybody else, I think they're okay. And that game should go on. That's a big game because you've got two top five teams in Alabama and Georgia taking on each other this weekend. I don't know if you got this. I didn't stay up watching baseball or anything, but I saw this uh, box score, and the Dodgers set some kind of record for scoring 11 runs in the first inning. Oh, yeah, that happened early, too. That wasn't late yesterday. That was the first inning, and they scored 11 runs, which was a record. Uh, Like a record for playoffs or... I believe it was a playoff record of most runs scored in the first inning. Okay, so uh, the the baseball season is, is... coming to a, a climax here before too long. So we'll get to that in sports and a whole lot more. It's the Buzz Adams Morning Show Podcast. We've got a couple of uh, Halloween posts I want to draw some attention to over at our website, which is buzzadamshow.com. These are news uh, just since yesterday. Joanna's uh, written about six great Halloween scenes in non-Halloween movies. Ah, yeah. So the movies aren't Halloween movies. But they're scenes but of they Halloween. Have scenes of Halloween in it. Give me, you know, I just want one off the list. Mm-hmm. What's the most surprising one that surprising. people forget about? Surprising. Yeah, is he is ET on the list? It is because yeah. there's a whole there's a whole. That's when he sees Yoda. Yeah, that's um, kind of a linchpin to the entire Star Wars universe. Is like, oh, ET, his species must be from the Star Wars universe because you recognize he Yoda. Going, home. Yeah. Home. <laughs> when he sees the kid dressed as Yoda. I love that yeah. Halloween. And then years later when they did the pre many like a decade later, decade and a half later when they did the prequels, in the Galactic Senate, you can see a bunch of E. T. creatures, mm-hmm. you know, next to the Wookiees and all the other Star Wars creatures. That's when so. I learned. Uh maybe more surprising, Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. I think a lot of people forget there's a Halloween scene in that. Where? It's when we find out. It's the, the Tim wait, Burton wait, wait. one. The, oh, the, the, Tim, the one not, with Johnny Depp? Not Willy Wonka, but oh. Charlie and the Chocolate Fire. I couldn't watch it. No. Tried it. Gave it a shot. Maybe give it a shot once. It's not really. <sighs> didn't like their. But I, I, I mean, I didn't have anything against the actor, but right. didn't, didn't but like I, their Oompa Loompa. I had forgotten <laughs> that there's a Halloween scene in it, and that's when he kind of tells his story of about his why dad he, and his. Yeah. And it, okay, so you could check that out. Six great <laughs> Halloween scenes in non-Halloween movies. That's, mm, okay. <laughs> Lisa has an enduring uh, debate. And she asked it in the form of a question. Mm-hmm. You can find this article at buzzadamshow.com. What is the question, Lisa? The question is, Nightmare Before Christmas, is it a Halloween or a Christmas movie? Hmm. Christmas. It's in the title. Yeah, but Nightmare implies Halloween, so it's also no, in the title. But see, it implies. It doesn't say Halloween before Christmas. You know, are you just playing devil's advocate? Because I thought everybody would, would realize this is a Halloween movie. No, I think it's a Christmas movie. The whole point of it is, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. When like, it was, like I'm like I will watch this movie between Halloween and Christmas. Halloween has already happened. We're building up to Christmas. Oh, it's uh, the Christmas okay. season. Listen, some people just like to watch the world burn, and that is me watching everyone argue about <laughs> this. You are Regina George. When it came out in theaters, Brandon, do you know when it came out? That doesn't matter. I think that's. A, I think it does matter. It came out. If I we're going to do this, let's do this. It came out Dang, I, on man. Halloween, didn't it? it? Did. it came because out on... Hocus Pocus came out in July because yeah. they didn't right. want to compete against it. Yeah. So it it's a Halloween movie in as much as they, they saw to release it in, uh, on around... October thirteenth of nineteen ninety three. Clearly, a Halloween movie. 
Mm. <laughs> I don't know. There's Christmas plenty- is in the title. The whole point of the movie is they want to become Christmas. They kidnap Santa Claus for crying out loud. I mean, Jack the- is the pumpkin king. Uh, but Halloween of only Halloween happens Town. for about like the first ten minutes in the movie, if that. And they prepare all year long for Halloween. But they prepare instead for Christmas. See, this is just the argument people are having. And also what makes it even worse is when you go to Disneyland, if you go, first of all, during Halloween, tons of Nightmare Before Christmas decorations. But if you go at Christmas time too, still tons of Nightmare Before Christmas decorations. So they're no help. (laughs) <laughs> Not at all. If you've actually gone, it's pretty cool. If you go during the Christmas time, the whole haunted mansion, they do it up with uh, uh, Nightmare Before it's Christmas. It's my dream to go one day. For Are we talking Halloween? Southern California or Florida? Uh, I think both. both. I think both of them do it. Yeah. The haunted mansion on the inside, it's all redone with Nightmare Before Christmas decorations. So the whole the, outside's done too. Yeah, the outside's different, but like the ballroom scene inside, <laughs> they do. It's like they have like the big mountain and it's really cool right. actually. Lots of Halloween stuff up for you. I just hit a couple of the highlights there. You can check it all out at Arguments Commence. BuzzAdamsShow.com. Oh, there's some great comments. It's the Buzz Adams Morning Show Podcast. Comedian Steve Byrne is going to join us later. He has an upcoming movie that has Bill Burr and Ken Jeong in it, among others. Real Tom Segura's in it. Real star-studded cast. So comedian Steve Byrne joins us later. Is he in it? Steve Byrne? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's about him. He's he's not the main guy. He is the main guy. Yeah, that's Steve Byrne. Are you sure about that? Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, 100% sure. Because I looked up Steve Byrne, and that's not the main dude. Um, Maybe there are two... Like the little Asian guy? That's Steve Byrne, yeah. No, the little Asian guy is not Steve Byrne. Oh, it is. It is? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, for a fact. He was on... Uh, oh, I forgot that show. Bill Burr was on it, and Jesus Trejo was on it. Sullivan and Sons. Yeah, that's not the little Asian dude that we're talking about. That's not the, the one same that guy. from that trailer you showed us earlier. That's not the same. That's dude. not Steve Byrne. I think you I guys, forget his name, but it's not Steve Byrne. I I think you guys are uh, no. Yeah, you're you're like a thousand percent. Did you wrong, think man. that entire time the little Asian? <laughs> yeah, I think that's Steve Byrne. I'm I'm sticking with that. I still think it's Steve Byrne. That's not Steve Byrne. The dude that's up on stage right there. That's not Steve Byrne. What does Steve Byrne look like? Look up Steve Byrne. Just Google Steve Byrne. Stop. <laughs> Please. I can't find his name. Okay, all right. That's Steve Byrne. But, but he's also Asian. Jesus. Yeah, I thought it was totally this other little guy. Oh, but you're 100% about it, right? Like, you know for a fact. <laughs> you guys are wrong. This is Steve Byrne. Okay, look, I didn't persist after after a certain the point. The Asian it guy you is Googling it. Jimmy O. Yang. Okay, well, Steve Byrne is the producer, Gosh. I guess. You guys, we shouldn't thing. have said anything. Oh, God. <laughs> oh, that would have been great. Damn no. it. Thank you. Right. And no, you shouldn't have said anything. And God. Then he's all interviewing him. And how did you like being on Silicon Valley and Crazy Rich Asians? <laughs> <laughs> Was that guy in Crazy Rich Asians? Oh, my gosh. He's amazing. He throws the bachelor I think, party. I think we've all realized Buzz thinks they all look alike. No. <laughs> that's what I was starting to think about you for a second. But Yeah, okay. Um, so coming up, we're going to talk about... Way to deflect. Mm-hmm. All right, fine. Mia culpa. You got me. 
Any else, anybody else want to pile on? <laughs> this point. The little Asian guy's name is Jimmy O. Yang. Just, <laughs> it's what? Jimmy O. Yang. Okay. Like O Yang, like it's like O no, like apostrophe. O oh, okay. is an initial. I thought maybe it was Irish uh, Chinese guy. <laughs> <laughs> oh, what if it's his actual? Like he comes down, he starts talking like this. Nice to meet you, Buzz Adams. <laughs> Tell me that wouldn't blow your mind. Do you want me to interview Steve Byrne? I don't know. I mean, they set up the interview, and I went and looked at it. Is obviously this is the main actor. I thought, oh, okay, well, I I, I heard Steve Yang, uh, Steve Byrne is an Asian-American actor, and I thought, oh, okay, well, that must be what he looks like. But I am wrong, and I admit that I'm wrong. I'm happy to do that. How many times must I do it? Mm. Must Every I... time you're wrong. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, not a problem. It's the Buzz Adams Morning Show Podcast. Let's talk about some of the stuff that you could go over and view. Some of it's video, some of it's uh, you could read it. But all of it is uh, pretty fresh and new. And I'm talking about our website, buzzadamshow.com. Oh, and I got a, I got an article ready to go up, man. Is it about Monster Madness? No. Although where, that needs to be done, too. Where do we stand on Monster Madness? Uh, the first part of round two is already up. You can go vote for that. And then uh, part two is going to be going up here in a little bit. But I have... You know how in Forensic Files they'll kind of recreate or, or, or do a reenactment? Of a scene? I gotta tell you, never seen Forensics Files. Is that documentary or is that like scripted? Uh, Forensic Files? Yeah. It's, I mean, it's, do- yeah. like it's documentary esque, but they'll, like, they'll reenact. The dramatization like, is like yeah, those real go. great um, snap styles. But they don't have like regular characters. Mis- unsolved it- Mysteries. How about that? Okay, so it's more like Unsolved Mysteries than it's like Law and Order. Exactly. Yeah, oh, it's not okay. a scripted show. No, yeah. So basically, they have dramatizations, but they interview like the detectives, the forensic experts, and the yeah, news I reporters. I get into that stuff if it's on. Oh, for I sure. love it. Yeah. We call it murder porn because my sister's obsessed with it. And like, I'll call her all the time, be like, What are you doing? Forensic Files. What are you doing? Snapped. What are you doing? Southern Fried Murder. I'm like, what? <laughs> Is that even a murder. real show? Sweet. And HLN. Yeah, man. Southern Southern Fried Murder <laughs> definitely is a real show. She watches, it's all, you know what it is? It's investigation discovery. All of their stuff is just oh, murder stuff. That's but great. that's what we call, I call it her murder porn. I'm like, you're sitting there watching your porn again. That murder porn. All right, so what's your post about? Uh, I'm putting one together uh, with both sides of the story of the great cake fight that occurred. Oh, yeah. Nice. Oh, we need to uh, to get an update on the great cake fight that happened between two of our listeners who uh, are married. And so, so far? And, and apparently met because of our live stream. That's so cute. How many couples? Is that two it's now? At least two, yeah. At least two couples we know that got married mm-hmm. because they met on our live stream. This was, I think this goes all the way back to when we were live streaming on YouTube. But we do it now on Facebook. Look, there are a lot of reasons we had to move it off of YouTube. Are we 100% happy with the stream on Facebook? Absolutely not. Yeah. I do love, though, that there's two people that found, like, their little happy endings from it. And one of those couples I'm good friends with, so I love Charlie and Monica. Yeah. Charlie and Monica, who do all the great t-shirts, right? Yeah. They met on our show. They did. They're great folks. They're super fun. Every time they see me at, like, an event or something, they get me a free t-shirt, so thank you, guys. They're super cool. (laughs) And they're great t-shirts, too. And they're really fun. Yeah, we went to, for Monica's birthday, we all hung out, and yeah, I I go to their house way more than I should. (laughs) Because of quarantine, you mean? Um, Or do you have a rule against not socializing with uh, listeners? (laughs) (laughs) 
Because that would be very no. They snobby. they actually uh they yeah uh, they're great. They they're bought great. into a business. Uh, so now they're part owners of the proper print. So they're down the street now. So oh, I'm right like, on. Yeah, I'm always like, let's go to Whataburger. A talented couple of folks. Uh, those two. Let's uh, let's pay attention a little bit to these Parkland Elementary kids. <laughs> so these are second graders and. This actually made it to Good Morning America. It did. Joanna, this is your post. So so what do you want to point out before before we run it? First of all, these kids are like seven, right? They're second graders at Parkland Elementary. They're all of cute as can be. Adorable. Yeah. But you're gonna see like the, the teacher either the teacher, logs out or gets bumped off the she internet. Gets bumped off the, the virtual learning thing that and they're the doing. And the kids are left to their own devices. <laughs> Did she do it on purpose or it just, it she just got bumped happened. off? It just happened. But it recorded. Her stopped, but the Zoom class kept I going just, and I, it was recording. I just want you to notice how quickly the class without the teacher turns into like a little miniature Stanford prison experiment. <laughs> 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 With some of the kids taking the roles of the inmates and some of the mm-hmm. kids taking the roles of the, of the guards. Yeah, and it eventually gets very Lord of the flies <laughs> in there but but cute 100 percent. and i just want to point out you got the part where some kid says oh we're toast and then they have a great discussion on toast just to show yeah. you like like what's great about kids is their innocence well their innocence but also they go off on oh we're toast i could really go for some toast <laughs> it's just Perfectly hilarious. It sounds like me and Joanna talking. <laughs> okay, so it cuts out, and then all the kids are trying to figure out where teacher went. <laughs> okay, Karen. <laughs> her, her eyes get all big. She's like, wait. That's me. I'm just going to mute my mic. <laughs> That's there Buzz. You go. Path of least <laughs> resistance. All right. In yeah, like, right. in like right. yeah, right. 10 years, there's the senior class president. Yeah. <laughs> is, is the one. We need to behave, guys. Yeah, so the kid <laughs> just there goes, yeah, we'll be toast. We'll be toast. I like his explanation. Ha! <laughs> <laughs> toast means we're in trouble. Get it. And then they're all we're like, toast. Wait. And then me. Yeah. <laughs> 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 no problem with the lettuce. There's like eggs. Toast and lettuce. Eggs. No eggs. Gross. Mm-hmm. All right. This is a post that Lisa has up. What's up? Uh, at buzzadamshow.com. And uh, what? I didn't think that this would be the thing that, that Brandon and I were finally going to go to war over. <laughs> but here it is. Bring it. The Nightmare Before Christmas. Christmas. Is it a Christmas movie or a Halloween movie? In the damn title, man. I, I I would not believe it unless I heard it with my own ears that anybody thinks that it's uh, more of a Christmas movie than a Halloween movie. It's obviously a Halloween movie. Jack uh, Skellington is ah. is he the mayor of Halloween Town? He's the pumpkin, he's the pumpkin king. king. He's the pumpkin, he's the pumpkin king. king. There's a mayor. He's not remember? the Halloween king. He's the pumpkin king. Yeah, the mayor's the guy whose face goes between smiling and like having a manic right. depressive episode. Like the guy with a triangle for his head, right? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> this yeah. Seems basically, like that. yeah. Uh, so, so who other than Brandon thinks that it's a Christmas movie? Mm, oh. If I say both, see, but Joanna, yeah, I was gonna say Joanna and I 
say both. Yeah, okay. And I'm just happy that Lisa would watch it. Yeah, I love But is it thing. more of a Halloween movie or more of a Christmas movie? And on that, I come down on the side of it's more of a Halloween movie. I think it's more of a Christmas think, movie. The Christmas references vastly outnumber Halloween references. I think you could start watching it for Halloween and watch it up until Christmas. Ooh, I like that. Yeah. Yeah, they don't go through Thanksgiving. That's rude. When do you think it came out? Like when it came out in theaters, well, it was 1993. It came holidays. out October 13th, yeah. 1990. And the yeah. reason I know that is because of Hocus Pocus. <laughs> right, po- exactly. But, but Hocus Pocus was bumped so that this one yeah, could be but Hocus, the bigger deal Yeah, for Hocus Pocus came out in July, but Hocus Pocus is still a Halloween movie. So when it came out in theaters, really doesn't matter in yeah. that sense. Yeah, good point. Yeah, boom. yeah, but I think it. Die it, Hard didn't come out during Christmas. I, yeah, I think it <laughs> definitely totally makes some points for the argument that it's a Halloween movie and that it came out in the lead up to Halloween. I don't know. It's that's a big argument. People are there's one person that responds say, I'd say it's closer to a Christmas movie because the themes and plot revolve around the Christmas aspect of it. Even though the main setting is Halloween Town, the Halloween is over in the last than the first two to three minutes. Then the rest of the movie focuses on Christmas. Yeah. Let's uh, read some of the comments here. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Valerie says, "Love this song." Yes. Oh my God! Is this the Manson version? <laughs> yes. Yes. That, yes. Valerie says oh it's a trace. Christmas movie. All right. Ah, then the very next oh, comment, Amanda says, "Amanda says more Halloween, but a little Christmas. Just the characters are a little creepy." Uh, the creepiest are those little kids that work for Oogie Boogie. <laughs> They're Be- going to kidnap the Sandy Claws. Yeah. Be- Biani says, I think she's it's more. eat more cake? No. Yeah. What's up, girl? Biani like says, I think it's more Christmas. Ah, and see? That's it. You know, just because you. she said that, you know what? There's a piece of cake for you, Biani. <laughs> David says, every time we watch it, it's during Halloween, so I'm with you, Buzz. Thank you, David. <laughs> Good to see we got some sensible people. Uh, and John, backstage John. Hey, John. John says, if it came out in October, it's a Halloween movie. Nah, see, we already debunked that. We when it came out, really doesn't matter. Uh, Ooh, someone said a- they think it's a dark Christmas movie. I'm like, yeah. is it like the? Those are great. Is it like the scary movie? What was it, Jack Frost or something? And the snowman kills people. Hmm. Lisa. No, or, uh, like Jack Frost is it. the one with Michael Keaton, right? No, there's. No, I there's believe there's two one. Jack Frost. So yeah. one of them, it's where it's like it, it he kills people. Kills with icicles. Yeah. I just I, I saw the the because I remember the 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 movie cover was holographic. All right, Christine. Yes, and it was the snowman <laughs> with the creepy smile. Yes. Teeth, right? Yeah, I thought it was so cool, but I would never watch it. Here's here's what Christine says, and I think she brings up a good point. So let's listen to the wisdom. So of it's Christine. with you. Yeah, so it's with me. <laughs> Christine says even Disneyland decorates the Nightmare Before Christmas in October. Okay. So I'm with Halloween. But like, here's the argument. December. Yeah, in December, if you go through New Orleans Square and through the main Main Street, they decorate with Nightmare Before Christmas. Because I was there for. December last year and all of it because that's when I got Joanna the Oogie Boogie uh, mm-hmm. yeah you did the, the like, popcorn yeah holder. the popcorn the popcorn holder alright if any if anybody wants to call uh, you could do that 
Start this argument with us. 844-305-6210. That's 844-305-6210. Everybody should experience that because the Haunted Mansion is so cool during Christmas. They do it all out in Nightmare Before Christmas stuff. The inside, like the ballroom scene and everything. It's super, super cool. Eddie in the Facebook chat says, leaning towards Halloween because of the title alone, quote, Nightmare Before Christmas. Christmas is in the title. Yeah. (laughs) We're we're referring to the bad defense there, dude. We're yeah, but it's a nightmare before. What What happens before Christmas? Have a nightmare. What happens before Christmas? Jesus wasn't born, okay, Buzz. Ah, nightmare before. John says it's definitely a Christmas movie, but when the movie starts, Halloween is over. That's mm-hmm. true. It's two to three minutes, and then Halloween's wha-bam, done. And then everything else is spoke. <laughs> wha-bam. Okay, but, wha-bam. but Strictly says, okay, and this is a great point, an, irref- an irrefutable point. Strictly says, I still put out my inflatable Jack Skellington during Halloween and Christmas. Boom. See, See great point. Somebody else For just said. three months. Yeah, Melissa says, my husband and I consider it a transition movie. We have a whole list of movies that we watch after Halloween, but before Thanksgiving to help us transition into Christmas. I like that. (laughs) I'm sorry. This one, it's great. It's year round at my house because my kid is obsessed with it. I probably shouldn't have named him Jack. And then someone responded, (laughs) my daughter's the same way. If I had to do it again, I wouldn't have named her Oogie Boogie. (laughs) (laughs) That's great. All right. Well, you can go over and read the post. Did you set it up just as a read or as a poll? No, it's just a read, but the comments that people are responding are great. All right. (laughs) Let's take a break. And when we come back, we're going to have comedian Steve Byrne. That's still about an hour and a half away. Uh, We're going to have Steve Byrne. He's got a new movie. What was he in? What was he in? Yeah. He was in Crazy Rich Asians. No, he wasn't. No, he wasn't. That was... We're going to let him fall on his face. He yeah. was in uh, Sullivan and Sons. That's what Steve Byrne was ah, there you go. He's there not you in go. this movie, but he wrote and directed it. So, <laughs> Contrary to what you may believe, <laughs> he is not in the movie. Okay. Yeah, everybody knows that. Okay. <laughs> Let's take this a break. time. And when, <laughs> when we come back, Lisa's... God, I shouldn't have said anything, man. Really this morning that he showed us the trailer, I kept thinking, that's not Steve Byrne. <laughs> yeah. And th- he's like, look, there he is again. <laughs> Very adamant about it too. I don't remember. I don't remember, you know, it being that big a deal, guys. <laughs> well, don't make such a big deal out of it. That buzz is all. That's him. I was just assuming if if it's a movie and we're going to interview the, the the star, that it would be the the star of the movie. They usually send a description when you book these. Yeah, but I I don't have time to read the description. I just have time to scan the description. Okay. All right, we're fine. We still have over an hour. It's the Buzz Adams Morning Show podcast. The next round of Monster Madness is underway, and you can find that at buzzadamsshow.com. And uh, Brandon is pitting famous movie monsters against one another. Yeah, and so it's... This is part two of round two, part one. That went up on Monday, and that voting ends tomorrow. So just head to buzzadamshow.com and look at Movie Monster Madness. And round two is going. This uh, this round, 
For part two, you got Michael Myers versus Pazuzu. That's the demon from The Exorcist. Dracula versus Gozer from The Ghostbusters. Leatherface versus Sadako from The Ring. And Pennywise versus Jaws. Okay. So we're not talking about like who would win in a fight, or are we? You can pick however you want. Okay. I mean, it's really kind of up to you. Whatever you could pick, whichever one you think is the cooler monster, which one you think is the scarier monster, which one you think would win in a fight. That's completely up to you. I'm leaving that completely open, uh, open ended. If you just go vote for the next for the one that you think should move on to the next round. For our listeners who aren't following the Facebook chat of the Buzz Adams Morning Show, uh, all pandemonium has broken out. Uh, all right. about the uh, the cake. Real quickly, so. we do want to hit on though. We just did get our latest COVID nineteen numbers. Oh yeah, dude, seven hundred and seventeen new cases in the city in which we live. Seven hundred. Seven hundred. Seven hundred what? New cases. Positive cases. Oh, okay. As of COVID nineteen. As of this morning. All right. So that's from yesterday. So what? Seven hundred and seventeen. That's the highest we have ever had. The highest I think we got past before this was, I think, 500? 500. Wow, we just keep smashing new records, don't yeah. we? Woo! I, I, I am, I mean, this is horrifying to see. Um, we also have uh, 20 additional delayed state results. Um, active cases right now is just, uh, we're at 6,887. Also, we oh, have. But by all means, pile on the mayor and the uh, county health director to to okay reopening the bars. I mean, the number of patients hospitalized, 438, 111 in, an, in ICU care, 38 on ventilators. Um, total number of positive cases now is uh, 30,624. Um, yeah. I mean, I mean, that is, that is terrifying. Uh, I mean, and there is hours long waits right now to, uh, get tested for COVID. I tried yesterday to go to like one of the places that we work with and I had like a panic attack and left. Like I couldn't stay there more than five minutes because there were so many people coughing in there and, um, and was it indoors or outdoors? It was both. Because they had a line outside of the building all the way around. And the cars were just lining up. Like, they were parking on the street, basically. Because there was just no parking in the parking lot anymore. And when I asked them, you know, I had I had gotten an appointment. They're like, it'll still be like an hour. And I just, I was like, I, I can't stay in here for an hour. I'm If I don't have right. COVID, I'm going to get it. You're going to get it, waiting to find out if you got it. Yeah, it was just, it, it was so... And every person that came in, yeah, I think, um, yeah, my wife has it, my boss has it, my son has it, my, and it, so it's just a line of people coming in trying to get the testing done. Anybody have any idea how the uh, lines were at, at uh, places to vote for early voting? I don't know about yesterday. I, I did see it one person. Decent to me, I saw a couple of polling places. Decent yeah. as in not too crowded. No, I like, like at the mall. Um, where it was actually inside, in, you know, in the actual mall. There's two like different was, ones because Bassett also has indoor mall um, voting too. It was like maybe five people deep, I think. Oh. Like my wife did it because my, my kid takes class, same place that Lisa takes classes at the mall. My kid takes some. Isn't that cool? And so my wife. Y'all learning karate or Jeet Kwon Do or <laughs> I something? I really do want to learn from the karate place. No, she's doing the aerials. She's doing yeah, silks. silks. So... Hmm. Um, I so my wife, him, while my kid was there, my wife went and stopped by and she went ahead and voted. Um, oh, and what she it, it didn't take a whole lot of time at all. Ten minutes? 
maybe, maybe 15. I yeah. was just really sad because I was like, I looked and I couldn't find it. Brandon's like, you look the wrong direction. Look yeah, left next look time. Ar- yeah, just look around the corner. Eight. I have warned him though. I was like, hey, so you might get like maybe CPS called on you because your daughter's going to have a lot of bruises. bruises on her arms <laughs> from the silk classes. I have My legs look beaten up from silk. So I'm like, so just, you know, well, she's not in school right now. So you don't have to worry about the teacher asking questions. My wife started doing the pole classes and she's got bruises all over their, her arms. And they're right in the spot where mm-hmm. if you were to grab somebody by the arms like your thumbs would dig in. <laughs> so people think I'm probably like shaking the hell out of her at the house. You're like, nope. Let's no, get to our taking the poll classes. Let's get to our <laughs> entertainment report. We've got comedian Steve Byrne on the way this morning and uh, we'll hear a little bit of Steve Byrne's uh, stand-up comedy, but Joanna's got a few items for us in the Hollywood report today. Joanna, what are we looking at? Well, Dexter is gearing up for a killer comeback. The Showtime serial killer drama is returning for a 10-episode limited series with star Michael C. Hall back in the title role. It's set to begin production in early of 2021 with a tentative premiere date in the fall of 2021. Were you Uh, ever into Dexter? I was not. No, I never actually watched it. I did like two seasons Mm -hmm. and enjoyed it. And then for whatever, you know, it's just weird. It's some of the shows, you know, they really have staying power. And then other ones you kind of drop out of after well, a couple of years. eight seasons, so. I never got to the one where uh, they had John Lithgow as a serial killer. Mm, never saw it. Meanwhile, MTV announced that they'll also be rebooting Cribs with a U.S. version and an international version that will debut first. The international Man. version of MTV Cribs will premiere this month. Did you ever see that expose where some, especially the rappers, but a lot of the people, especially the rappers, would get some house that wasn't even theirs Not and borrow Red a Rolls Royce? Yeah, Not Redman. Red Red <laughs> Redman had his cousin on his couch. <laughs> and it just... Didn't I mean, he have the wires as the light switch? Yeah. He's like, yeah, you just got to flick these things together and it'll turn the light <laughs> on. Okay, so you could leave Redman out of that group, but a, a lot of the rappers were just like, yeah, this is my Bentley, and then it came uh, out later. It's like, you, that's yeah, not your Bentley. That's not theirs. Well, the U.S. version is scheduled to premiere in early of 2021. Joaquin Phoenix has been tapped to play French military leader and Emperor Napoleon in Ridley Scott's upcoming film, Kit Bag. The film, whose title is derived from the saying, There's a general staff hidden in every soldier's kit bag, chronicles Napoleon's swift, ruthless rise to power, viewed through the prism of his addictive and often volatile relationship with his wife and one true love, Josephine. And finally, there are about 423 bold-faced names, give or take, who turn up in Hubie Halloween, Adam Sandler's giddy new Netflix horror comedy, including Julie Bowen, J- Kevin James, Steve Semi, Ray Liotta, June Squibb, George Wallace, Shaquille O'Neal, and a who's who of Saturday Night Live cast members. One of the biggest cameos, though, was kept under wraps until the Hubie premiere uh, last week. I won't give it away if you haven't seen it, but the raft of Easter eggs raises the question, do all of Sandler's movies take place in the same universe? Does Chubb show back up? Chubb's died, man. Yeah, but he showed up in Little Nicky in one of the deleted scenes. Oh, as, deleted? As, as yeah, I thought maybe the ghost of Chubb's. He was in heaven, so. The ghost of Chubb's does not premiere. Does Bob Barker movie. show no. <laughs> if I get, okay. Uh, but well, it's some reference to one of his other movies? Yes. Is Norm MacDonald making out with an old lady like he does at the end of Billy Madison? <laughs> no. does, does Coach no. Klein show up to try and get me to play the football? <laughs> <laughs> no. 
Well, when asked about the idea of pulling even more of his classic characters together for an MCU-esque cinematic universe, in an interview with Yahoo, Sandler gave his support to the idea, albeit with a caveat saying, I'd like to do that, I just gotta mentally prepare for it, so that'll probably happen in another 35 years. Hubie Halloween is now streaming on Netflix. And you said you actually did enjoy it. I did enjoy it. I have seen some, I I would say I've seen mixed reviews Mm -hmm. about Hubie Halloween. It's the Buzz Adams Morning Show Podcast. All right, we've got a few minutes. Uh, We were lucky enough to grab a few minutes to talk to comedian Steve Byrne, who has a new movie opening uh, tomorrow. Hi, Steve. Hey, how are you? Is this the part where I say cookie? Yeah, do yeah. Do you want to? Yeah, we'll, we'll put you down. Absolutely. We got to draw, Beautiful. but then you you got the word right, so okay. that's <laughs> half the battle. Uh, Steve's new uh, film, which he wrote and directed, is called The Opening Act, and it uh, is going to be on demand starting tomorrow on Amazon, Apple, iTunes, and is it is it showing in any theaters, Steve? It's showing in theaters. I know, like, Alamo Draft House is showing them. Uh, I guess, you know, if you live in a red state, you can see it in a movie theater. But uh, otherwise, <laughs> yeah, it's just streaming, right? That's great. <laughs> if, you, if you live in a red state, you can probably see it at a movie theater. Yeah, That's right, yeah. Let me play just a little clip from the trailer. So uh, this is uh, Jimmy... Uh, oh yeah, Jimmy O Yang, who plays the main character here, and he is a, an aspiring stand-up comedian. <laughs> okay, so uh, it, it, is this autobiographical, semi-autobiographical? Yeah, it, it, it's semi. Once uh, it the character, the Jimmy O Yang from Silicon Valley, he plays like the MC. He basically plays a young guy that's got, you know, that safe kind of corporate job. And he makes the leap, ditches it to go for his first time ever on the road at a professional comedy club. And uh, that's, 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 that's what happens. Everything that happens once he hits the road has happened to me in real life. So you're going to watch this film going, did that really happen? Yes, I really did end up in the middle of the woods, in the middle of nowhere, underneath the trailer with a couple of Bubby having sex, fearing for my life. Yes, that really did happen. <laughs> did you have to move out to L.A., or did you already live in the L.A. area? Or did you, you know, there are a couple of ways you do it. It's usually either New York or L.A., but I guess that's probably changed a little bit in the past 10, 20 years. Yeah, no, I think I think you you still have to move to one of the two big cities. Um, but before you do that, I mean, most comics do not start off in New York City. Most comics got their start somewhere in the Midwest, the Bible Belt, anywhere. Um, so that's really what, you know, this, in this film, he starts off out in uh, Steubenville, Ohio, the home of Dean Martin, and goes to the Pennsylvania Improv. That's the Yankee Stadium for him in this film. Um, so I, I uh, was kind of part of that group uh that where Vince Vaughn would come in and watch comics at the comedy store or at the, they had a place like above this Japanese restaurant right down the street called Miyagi's so sure uh, Vince Vaughn, you you remember the Miyagi's and uh, every every person in the bar would be a comedian watching the other comedians go up yeah before that it was Dublin's yeah Dublin's LA. Right. And then Dublin's got shut down, so they moved it over to Miyagi's, and it just smelled like bad fish, and uh, it was never the same. So now, uh, you know, fortunately for us, the comedy store has felt a resurgence lately, so now it's just on a nightly basis. You see, you know, Rogan, Jeselnik, Nick Kroll, Burt Kreischer, Whitney Cummings. It's a crazy lineup. You know, when I was going to, the com- going to the comedy store, the comedy store would be sparsely attended. 
And you'd have, you sure. know, uh, you, you might have Argus up there, or you might have somebody like Brett Ernst or John Caparolo. Those guys were, were coming up and were big deals at the time. But Miyagi's was packed, and the comedy store wasn't. So I, yeah. I think that's interesting that the crowds are coming back to the comedy store. Do you see this as kind of like the dawning of another golden age of stand-up comedy? Yeah, with I, I think especially now with when when people are sharing the same communal experience. You know, when nine eleven occurred, the comedy clubs in New York City were packed. That's what brought comedy back in New York City. And I feel that once the, once the quarantine is lifted and we've all dealt with the pandemic, I think there's so much material based off of the last few months alone yeah. that I think the comedy clubs are going to be packed again because we all have the same, same shared experience. Has, any, has anybody there been trying? Because I know that you're talking about the Midwest, like our comedy club here in Texas uh, had reopened. Then it didn't work out. They had to shut down. Then they reopened again about four weeks ago. So is everything just locked down in L.A.? Yeah, L.A. is completely shut yeah. down. There's just nothing. We were going to have uh, a premiere that got shut down. You know, we were going to have a uh, we were going to go to a film festival or two with this film <laughs> that got shut down. So, you know, I told my wife when this when when we finally wrapped, I got a tuxedo, I got her a nice dress. I'm like, we're going to wear this to, to the premiere. And the other day, I pulled it. And I'm like, we're going to wear this to the living room. <laughs> we're going to watch the film. <laughs> um, so I just want to say, Vince Vaughn. I think everybody knows who Vince Vaughn is. Peter Billingsley played Ralphie in A Christmas Story, and him and Vince yeah. Vaughn have been buddies since they did an after-school special together back in the '80s. But they have have a real history of of supporting stand-up comedy, and yeah, especially the stand-up so. comedy in LA. Uh, that's come out of there, so uh, it's good to see that that is still something that that they're involved in. Yeah, that's how I initially met them. I met them doing the Wild West Comedy Show. Uh, they had just finished the documentary. Uh, they did a show in Vegas. I went and did it because Caparillo got sick. I got a standing ovation that night. Vince was like, "Who the hell is this guy?" And two weeks later, I'm in Costa Rica with Ahmed and Vince Vaughn and Ben Best Pals ever since. So, yeah. Ahmed, you know, Ahmed is yeah, he's great. I'm at, I'm He's heads. great. Yeah, yeah. We did Sullivan Son together, and then we did this film together. And um, the goal was to make the best film that depicts what it's truly like at the beginning of your stand-up comedy career. And I know for a fact we pulled it off. The reviews are showing it. We're 83 percent of Rotten Tomatoes. Uh, and you know the comics, and I can tell you the cast in a second. But every one of the comics that has seen this film, Bill Burr, you know Neil Brennan, etc., they all say the same three things to me. They say I loved it. It's so authentic. And you re-triggered all these horrible memories from my <laughs> early on in my career. I can't wait to see my therapist on Tuesday, you bastard. So, pretty proud of that. And and those guys play play parts other than themselves in this, right? Bill Burr plays yeah. a character, and Neil Brennan plays a character. But some of the comics appear as themselves, maybe. No, nobody really no. appears as themselves. Um, Whitney's the closest that comes to it, but not really. So you got Jimmy O. Yang from Silicon Valley. He plays the MC. Alex Moffer from SNL plays the feature. Cedric the Entertainer plays the headliner. Then you got Whitney Cummings, Eliza Schlesinger, Kathleen Madigan, Angela Johnson, Bill Burr, Ken Jung, Tom Segura, Neil Brennan, Russell Peters, Roy Wood Jr., and so many others. And when I look at that cast list, I go, well, no wonder I'm not in the damn film, even though I wrote it. I mean, look at all these great comics. So. Yeah, I wanted, I wanted to bring up, so I, I saw that uh, Steve, we're talking to Steve Byrne and his movie, The Opening Act, opens uh, tomorrow in some theaters. Check your local listings, but also on Amazon and streaming uh, all over the place. So I saw that like people were commenting on the trailer on YouTube 
And then you don't always see this, but like, oh, the director pops up in the comments. So somebody was saying um, Bobby Lee should have played the lead. I'll bet he's so pissed off. And I take from that 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 person knows Bobby Lee is is what I get from that. And then somebody else commented, and Steve Byrne is supposed to be Bobby Lee's friend. And then you pop up in the thing and say, I am his friend. I wish I was in it. And I wrote yeah. it. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. How did you? Every now and then you get back at it. Yeah. How do you? How do you not get? Uh, I mean, did you audition? And who would you even audition for? Who me? Yeah. Well, I would audition for myself. Yeah. Um, <laughs> How did you end up not it. being in your? I mean, obviously, you want a younger comic to play. You know, the semi-auto autobiographical version of you. Yeah, I'm not casting Bobby Lee to be our lead. I'm not casting a 50-year-old Asian who's got the body of a thumb. Right. No, that's not going to happen. Bobby Lee could have played that back in the 90s when he was, you know, working back in the kitchen in order to get staged. And that would have been when Bobby could have played this role. But exactly, you... <laughs> yeah. I, it's just, I, I would have loved to have Bobby, have Bobby had a cameo and stuff. And I love Bobby. Bobby's but, the know, best. We, we, yeah, we got, a, we got a long history. He's fine. Um, the one thing I want to ask you about, you said all this stuff actually happened. It looks like, judging for the trailer, which is all I've seen, you got a scene about doing morning radio and how oh, yeah. DJs are just the worst to comics. It, well, tell me about your experience, because... Yeah, I bombed horribly, and that's what the, the, the scene is based off. I bombed horribly on KLOS, Frank Heidi and Frosty in Los Angeles. I'm friends with them now, so I can <laughs> talk about it, but I bombed. They called security, escorted me out of the building... I go to Sebastian Maniscalco, who lived a block away at the time. I knocked on his door. He goes, what's wrong? I go, turn on the radio. We listen to them eviscerate me for the next <laughs> 10 minutes. They cut to commercial break, and Sebastian just looks at me and goes, what the hell did you do, guy? So, did you bomb, or were they oh just God, doing this whole, me. hey, we're, we're, we're jaded and too hard to impress, and you know, we're just going to... No, I was we're bombing. Gonna, you, you definitely bombed. You, you acknowledge yeah. you bombed. <laughs> I bombed. All right. Uh, well... You looking forward to getting back out on the road, or are you doing any any uh, stops? Obviously, yeah, not in L.A. or New York. Mm. I, I've done some. I've done some shows. I've done Miami, Vegas, Phoenix, uh, San Antonio, basically all the red states. Um, <laughs> but eventually, I'll get I'll get back out there. We'll get out there, and I, I think people could use a laugh these days. And I think until then, this film could be a nice little band aid. You know. Yep. All right. Come out and uh, see us one of these days. Uh, soon, you got Steve. it, my friend. Thanks right. so much. Thank you, and uh, best of luck with the film. Thanks, Steve. Take care. Bye. All right. That's Steve Byrne, and he wrote and directed this movie. It comes out tomorrow, and it's called The Opening Act, starring Jimmy O. Yang and just a cast of uh, people that we've had on the show. Not starring Steve Byrne. Not starring Steve Byrne. He's the writer and director. I think I've made that perfectly clear. <laughs> Oh, look, F- Felipe Esparza has has a role in it. Hey, we know him. Yeah, we know Felipe. Yeah. Uh, here is a little bit of stand-up. How stand much up. you want to bet Felipe plays the pothead that has like a half a line? <laughs> well, it says that he plays a cabbie, so I assume that it's a pothead cabbie that has half a line. That would be my guess. But here's a little bit of stand-up from uh, Steve Byrne. Uh, from earlier in his career, but just give you a little idea of Steve Byrne. I mean, you, you, a lot of people probably heard of Steve Byrne already. Everybody yeah. knows who he is, and nobody would ever confuse him with anybody else. I, I'm not saying he's a household face, but definitely. I think I came off in that interview like I knew what I was talking about, right? Sure. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's the Buzz Adams Morning Show Podcast. A couple of notes tonight on TV. 
I believe it's ABC has the Joe Biden town hall. NBC has Trump. Yes. And there are a lot of people that are saying that this is highly inappropriate. That, you know, they they could have scheduled them not at the same time. But they are at the same time. It's too confusing. Dude, who cares? Come on. That sounds like math. I mean... You're going to make me do math. (laughs) At this point, I think... Probably what's going to happen is people who are definitely voting for Trump are going to watch Trump, and people who are definitely voting for Biden are going to watch Biden. I'm going to throw out this is a radical proposal. Maybe switch it up. So, like, if you're <clears throat> if you're a Trump guy, hear what Biden has to say. Nah. If you're a Biden nah. guy, you know, tune into the Trump thing. Nah. Trump- and if you're like my dad, just go ahead and watch last night's Mass Singer because, well, you already voted and you don't care. Yeah, right. If you already <laughs> voted. <laughs> Uh, Kamala Harris has canceled her campaign travel through Sunday following uh, her communications director and a flight crew member tested positive for coronavirus. So Kamala is sidelined through Sunday. Did you guys see what they just announced for Disney Plus? What? They're going to do a Lego Star Wars holiday special. What? That's going to be released on November 17th. I, I don't know if they're going to try to remake the original holiday special or what's going on, but yeah. <laughs> and it says the poster, it's got, you know, the little Lego hand. It's got just that with a ribbon around it. And it says to Luke from your father. Oh, because he cut his hand off. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that doesn't move the needle for me. Like Lego stuff. Well, I wasn't talking to you. Okay. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> I knew it wasn't going to move the needle for you. Who plays Lego Batman again? Will Arnett. Uh, Will Arnett, yeah. Thank you. Okay, I couldn't remember who it was. Got a couple of items here before we get into uh, rock news, but we'll have that coming up here in just a few minutes. A couple of Halloween notes. A YouGov survey asked people how they're going to celebrate Halloween this year. So it was a nationwide survey. Uh Halloween is is kind of canceled, but here's the number one thing that people said they were going to do on Halloween this year. Number one, watch a Halloween movie at home. Woo! You know, so turn on Nightmare yeah. Before Christmas, a great Halloween movie. <laughs> and, <laughs> if you could recommend one Halloween movie to watch on Halloween night, what do you recommend? Halloween. Trick or treat. Trick or treat. <clears throat> yeah, oh, really? I liked it. I thought one of you would go for... Hocus uh, Pocus. Yeah, one of you uh, would go for Hocus obvious. Pocus. Trick or treat's a good. If you haven't seen it, definitely go the route of trick or treat. I don't really like scary movies, and I really enjoyed it. I really enjoyed Lisa's texts. <laughs> my live, my live texting to Joanna. So if you eat the dude from Trick or Treat, who's like if a pumpkin? You make a pumpkin pie out of him. Are you technically possessed? I've never seen that? Trick or Treat. Ooh, it's good. You need to watch it, man. Is it an '80s movie? No, no. it's from 2009. It, it starts Anna uh, Paquin and uh, yeah. Brian Cox. God, I, find I really Anna knew, Paquin I knew nothing hot. about it. Yeah, no, it was really good. I find <laughs> I, her awkwardly hot. Like I can't like Anna I, Paquin. Yeah, like I don't find her. her Suki Stackhouse. Suki Stackhouse. Suki Stackhouse. Like when I look at her, I'm like, oh, she's so uncomfortable and awkward. But then I'm like, gosh, but also she's really hot, and I can't and figure out why. That little red riding head outfit. Yeah, looks great. My, what big eyes you have. I was like, get it, girl. Is this get supposed it. to be like a kind of comedy or no. kind of meta no, or no, anything? No, it's a horror movie. It's, okay. it's four different storylines that all 
kind of intertwined together. Mm-hmm. It's basically it's all in this little Hawaii, uh, Ohio town. Yeah. Um, where these four stories take place. It's really good. I I, I actually did like, it, and especially because it all happens on Halloween hey, night. Done. For some reason, I was thinking that this was a like a slasher movie from the eighties. No, 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 no. Mm-hmm. Trick or treat is great. No, because I. I was watching a movie at my friend's house, and she goes, "We're." She's all, "All I'm watching this month is Halloween movies, so we have to watch a Halloween movie." And she goes, "One of my favorites is Trick or Treat." I'm like, "It's Joanna's favorite too, so great, let's do this." Uh, it so paid off. You liked it, yeah. Number one thing that people say they're going to do in those YouGov surveys: watch a Halloween movie at home. Number two, decorate the house. Yeah, Done. sure, you could do that. Number three, carve a pumpkin. Number four, and this is the first time we see this coming up, hand out candy. So 38% of people in the survey said they're going to hand out some candy. So I got to think, like 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 my friend Steve Byrne was saying, those are red states, right? <laughs> Where you're going to hand out candy. Uh, number five, wear a costume. Number six, go to a party. And maybe, down near the bottom, it's go to yeah. a party, go trick or... No, no, we just maybe got numbers for here. today. If you're thinking, okay, by by Halloween, I go out party. What was no. the number that we just had today? 717. 717 and cases. New I, cases. I'm not finding anything online, but our digital um, editor was saying that the governor is supposed to be here today. Because our numbers are so insane. Okay. Huh. But I haven't Great. I haven't seen it anywhere. I don't know how him flying out here is going to help. Is he going to hold her hand or what's going to happen? Maybe don't do that, sir. Yeah. Don't. One person who is against canceling Halloween, obviously, is Elvira, Mistress of Darkness, so much so that she did a song about it. Uh, Cassandra Peterson, Elvira, Mistress yeah. of Darkness, is 69 years old. <laughs> and I, I, I just want you to notice yeah. how well her boobs have held up I know all these years. I mean, they look magical. So here you go. Huh. She looks great. Look at my boobs. You popped it right at it. Like, you got it. It's a gift. <laughs> you know, that's funny. Uh, Elvira was wearing a, an Elvis shirt, and mm. she had dated Elvis. Like, that's how long she's kind of been around. She had dated Elvis, obviously, awesome. when he was, before she was Elvira, Mistress of Darkness, and before he was a corpse, they had dated, so. <laughs> God, I could probably just sit there and watch that on a loop for a couple hours. There's Buzz's Halloween. Oh, come mm-hmm. on. Don't put her in a hazmat suit. That's not what you do. All right. Postmortem mates. That was funny. Get it? <laughs> I get it. <laughs> Solid. There's one thing. I like scary movies. I'm going to watch this mm-hmm. trick or treat. You've really got me excited about that. I uh, like scary TV shows like the American Horror Stories. I watch all those. Of course, I watch Walking Dead. Anything with a zombie has probably got me in. But there's one thing on TV I'm not a fan of. Oh, I'm going to tell you right now. That? There's mm-hmm. just one thing here that. Uh, scary? I don't. Yeah, it is scary, and I don't know if it's ever going to end. It's the Buzz Adams Morning Show podcast. All right, we're getting uh, with early voting already having started this week in Texas. We're uh, doing our best to talk to all of the mayoral candidates. Uh, so up first, we have 
Veronica Carbajal, who is running for mayor. Hi, Veronica. Good morning. Thank you for coming in today. Absolutely. So uh, one of the things that uh, the current mayor has made uh, perfectly clear is that you don't run uh, as a party affiliation when you run for the position of mayor. But uh, on on your website, some of your literature, you, you identify as a progressive for sure, right? Yes, I Okay. Do. Um, Let's tackle this real quick. Just the numbers that came out about COVID-19 are alarming that came out today. And I think it's fair to assume that in some form or another, this issue is going to continue who into the next term of whoever is mayor. In your opinion, what have we been doing right? What have, we, what have we been doing wrong? Uh, what would you do differently? So on March 12th, um, March 12th, I sent um, emails out to the city and the county saying you need to look out for clusters in the jails and nursing homes, immigration detention centers, and like the psych center because of these vulnerable populations and because you have people coming and going and because it's been an issue throughout the country. That was ignored. Um, I know for a fact that the city did not affirmatively go to these spaces and say, here's some PPE, here are our instructions, here's how to sanitize, here's how to ventilate. Did they eventually do it? I think now they're doing testing, but to my knowledge, I think that those spaces are still doing things on their own. Yeah. And, and I know of employees who have passed away from those spaces who didn't even know there was a cluster and who were not given, they were buying their own masks online. Um, and so that has been an issue from day one. And, and, and this has been worse. voted on and the city council uh, split right down the middle with the mayor making the, the final vote in both times that, that, they, uh, that they voted on it. Well, in terms of what? In terms of the care act? In, in uh, terms of uh, releasing the cluster oh, data. Yeah. Telling where that's, the clusters were. Absolutely. Yes. That's another issue is is when it comes to private spaces, the city has said, no, we are not going to disclose. Do you agree or that. disagree? I disagree. I disagree. And I think that, um, you know, the attorney general's opinion at first was, you know, you may release this information. This information may be released. The nature of the information itself is public. But then the city pushed back and the AG at the time said, OK, no, you're right. You know, um, there are some issues here. That's a lawsuit I'd be willing to take on. We need to save lives. And well, Mayor Margot has made it clear both times he made it clear that it would be illegal uh, for him to do this. Well, or that's what his opinion is that it would be illegal. because based on this AG opinion. However, there is you know we don't the way I mean I'm a lawyer, right? So, Are we talking about the state attorney general? Yes, the state oh, attorney general. Boy, there's and a so, lot going on there. There is, <laughs> there is a lot going on yeah. there. A ton, yeah. and so that like I said, that is a lawsuit that we, I would be willing to take. Look, everyone's rights, my rights end where yours begin. Pure and simple. And so nothing is absolute. And even if you're a business um, community member, your rights are not absolute. And so that is something that I would be willing to litigate because we are in the middle of a pandemic. And you would our, take on the state over this if you had to. Not the state. So what would happen is that, say, I, you know, we publish that certain restaurants have clusters. Right. And then they turn around and sue us because it's like, you know, it's defamation or it's slander or whatever it is. Okay, let's deal with that. But first, we're going to deal with the fact that you have a cluster and that your employees and your customers have a right to know so they can make an informed decision about how they're going to visit or not visit your establishment. Well, it sounds like you're talking about potentially dozens or hundreds of lawsuits. I mean, if they yeah. if they came out and did that, you, that's still a, a task you'd be willing to take on if you were you in know, that position? The thing is that, like, I've had to sue the city a number of times. And for me, it's like there should have been no reason to sue. If you're doing things right in the first place, you don't get sued, right? So if we had been doing things the right way, we wouldn't have clusters because businesses would know how to operate 
operate safely. And if they're not, we would be enforcing, which we we don't. I mean, I have I driven I live in Five Points. How many times have I driven by the Five Points, you know, uh, restaurant and bar, you know, sector? And it's like they are clearly not following the guidelines. There's no social distancing. No one's wearing a mask. This is something that we did see a lot of, and um, yeah, because there was no repercussions, and so a lot well, of the it's places. Well, pretty toothless. I mean, well, and that's the thing is that one of the bar owners told me when I said, you know, it's so crazy these new rules they came out with, and he flat out told me, no one's going to pay attention to those. It doesn't matter. And then I spoke with another bar owner after the bars had been shut down, and he goes, yeah, but people with that attitude, that's the reason we're closed now, because people who thought like that and who thought it was okay to just do whatever because, well, they can't enforce it. They're not going to make us do it. And then when the numbers went up, when all of these different hot spots, which they won't obviously announce, but when all these hotspots hot showed up, they, they shut the bars down. He's like, so now I can't make an income because of people who were thinking like that. We're uh, visiting with Veronica Carbajal. She's the first of the mayoral candidates to come in and uh, visit with us. But we're, you know, the plan is to get to everybody. Uh, on your website, uh, Veronica, it identifies you as a legal aid lawyer, mm-hmm. an environmentalist, and a fronteriza. Only one of those things do I not know what it means. <laughs> <laughs> so what, what, what does that refer to? Fronteriza. The, the fronteriza is that I am from the borderland. Um, I grew up in El Paso and Juarez. Um, I'm a fourth generation um, you know, U.S. citizen. My great-grandparents met in the 1920s in the Tamisal neighborhood. Um, but they lived in tenements. My great-grandfather worked for the railroad. And they had children and wanted to live in a house with the yard. And they could not afford to, to do that here because of different rules, right? Redlining and low wages, things that people to this day still face. And so they moved to Juarez. They bought a house. They bought land within a couple of years. They inherited that land to my grandfather, um, who worked as a parking lot attendant in El Paso. And then my mom was a garment worker, and all of them commuted to El Paso for work. And then when I was born, I was born out of wedlock, and my mom lived with her parents in Juarez, and we commuted too, and I went to public schools here. And so I was raised on both sides of the border, and that's why I am a fronteriza. Okay. Um it says uh, on your web, I, I went to your website to find out what I could about you. It says mm-hmm. that El Paso is at a crossroads. So uh, give me some of the choices that were, you know, when you come to a crossroads, you got you got choices. So what, what are the biggest choices that are facing El Paso right now? The biggest choices is whether we're going to continue to allow these two El Pasos to exist. One El Paso gets a waiver to pollute. One El Paso gets um, a waiver to build without, you know, impact fees, without improving neighborhoods. One El Paso gets a waiver to have huge parties in the middle of a pandemic. The other El Paso pays the price. How do we pay the price? With dirty air, with scarcity of water, with high property taxes, with inadequate streets and lighting. That's how we're paying the price for this, the other El Paso to do whatever it wants, including building a sports arena on our dime, building a baseball stadium on our dime, um, taking on this debt on our dime. We don't have a children's museum. We don't have a Mac because this private interest is so intent on getting a sports arena paid for by us. All right. So this uh, has been an ongoing issue. And, I, I, uh, you know, let me just play the other side for you for a second. They would say, well, we put it up to a vote. We left it up to the voters, and the voters approved the sports arena, along with the ballpark. So, Buzz, I have litigated this issue for almost four years. 
right? I, one of the lead attorneys, the media didn't cover the legal aid aspect of this, but we were a part of the litigation mm. um, against the sports arena. I did not bring you a copy, but I can mail you a copy because it's part of my, I have it. Um, well, I'll take your word for everything no, you're saying. We, I'm willing uh, to do that, of the course. The bond and the ordinance don't say sports arena. They say multi-purpose performing yes. arts and entertainment center. I, I, as I recall, I think it went to a judge in Austin who said, well, you just can't have sports at your multi-purpose arena. Right, because everything was about the arts, culture, and museums. Um, so, they, But the Supreme Court said you can use the word entertainment to to place a sports arena component in this performing arts center. You must deliver a performing arts center. That is without question. It can also accommodate sports. We can let go of the sports. It's discretionary, right? We don't have to build a sports. Mm -hmm. The reason that I'm against it is multifaceted. One is that it's so expensive. It will take, it's, we've, the city, not us, the city has allocated $180 million for that, leaving $48 million for the rest of the projects, like the Children's Museum, like the MAC, which is why everyone is so upset. It led to all of this litigation. Well, and yeah, the lastly, sports arena is definitely the the, the golden-haired boy in this yeah. scenario. Yeah, and let me yeah. explain. Like We we actually cross-examined Brian Crow from Visit El Paso, who was the city's expert. He inflated the numbers of concerts that we could get at this place. It's only going to be 2,000 seats larger than Don Haskins. It's not going to be this enormous space that's going to attract Beyonce and, you know, other other big acts. It's just not. You're going to so get the acts that loss. would otherwise go to the Don Haskins Center or the uh, uh, Pan Am Center in Las Cruces. So, Center. hypothetically, if we were to not get the multipurpose center, what would you want to see the rest of those, the 150 or 180 million be used towards? What would you um, propose that be used if we don't do the multipurpose center instead? So, the convention center is 100,000 square feet of emptiness right yeah. now. It is vacant, right? It is it is perfect for us to have a concert you know, space or even a sports space if you wanted it. Because the convention its, center? The convention center is huge. Yeah, I've it seen concerts huge. there, but it's uh, it would seat less than the Don Haskins Center. I mean, much, much less. Um, right? It, I think if it's done the right way, it could be done. And so I would you talk about maybe tearing it down or just remodeling it? Or what would be your... Well, what, there's, you, no, there's no permanent seats in there, for one thing, right? Right. No, right now it is basically like a warehouse, right? And mm -hmm. I think that that's why we need to be creative. And the fact is that it, it is... A huge piece of land. There is parking already there. It's right mm -hmm. next to the Abraham Chavez. There is land in front. There's you land have to, behind. You wouldn't have to tear down any of the buildings. Mm -hmm. which you wouldn't some... have to go into the neighborhoods. Yeah. You would be able to do what it was promised to do back in the 90s. My client, Antonia Morales, who's in Duranguito, she's 92, and she could give you the history of economic development promises and failures. Now, does Ms. Morales still live in her, her she residence? Does in okay. her apartment, yes. Okay. Yeah, she's got legal, you know, she's got us <laughs> to back her. <laughs> Weren't um, they at at some but, point, weren't they tearing stuff down and telling people holes you got to yeah, putting and, holes in walls and stuff? Yeah. That seems like that was years ago. It, the buildings it are still was. there. The buildings are still there. The city has, um, I mean, if you go there, they've imprisoned her. They have cut her off from the street. They've cut off this community garden next to her. They've done all that they can to really squeeze her out emotionally. Intentionally. Intentionally. You, yeah. And we've talked to them about that. And they're like, no, we're not going to change any of that for her. Um, but going back to the convention center, I think that we just need to explore it. And we haven't explored it at all. No one's talked about it as part of our downtown economic plan. 
And we're going to have to. And so for me, it's like a win-win if we're able to use that money to help the convention center, build the children's museum fully without waiting for the people to fundraise for it, and then stop fighting over the MAC so that the MAC can go in a building in Duranguito or in one of the vacant spots in Duranguito. And also and just, I was going to say, too, I, I we're lost, in a pandemic. I, I lost track. <laughs> what is the MAC again? The Mexican-American Cultural Center. Okay. That's part of the bond. That was outlined as one of the signature projects. Right. Those are things that probably we could put more money into, but also um, we're in a pandemic. There's not going to be any concerts for quite some time, probably. Yeah, but eventually there will be, right? I mean, but if you could use that to remodel and redo like the the convention center, something that that's already standing, that isn't getting used, I think, as much as it could possibly be used. So uh, the folks that live there, how many how many more are still living in that kind of that footprint where the two act, two, two women, two, two a residents, uh, a homeowner, and um, Antonio Morales, who's a renter, and there and there were at one point a hundred or more less. Less, Let, it was a smaller neighborhood, yeah. less than, I'd say less than um, 60 folks, most of them elderly, most of them mm-hmm. Mexican, Mexican-American. Yeah, on on the one hand, I think it's manifestly unfair that if somebody's living in a part of town at, because that's what they can afford and that's where they want to live and, you know, nobody ever worried about fixing it up for them until they decided to put something there, it is completely unfair to mm-hmm. kick people out of where they were living. Um, the argument about the historic buildings, I get that they're historic, but... Let you know, they're, you they're blighted. Let There's me... no way you could bring those back. Actually, I... they, I mean, you know, um, as, as Lisa was saying before, um, the owners knocked down a corner of each of them, right? Like they were so angry and they're going to just demolish yeah, to get right. that because that was the city's contract required them to demolish before the city could take over. So the city could bypass the rules that apply to publicly owned historic buildings. So it was very conniving. And yet those buildings are still standing. Old buildings were built right. And so, yes, they could be rehabbed. What we found out through the lawsuit was that in 2006, when the downtown plan by the Paso del Norte group was revealed, these property owners went out and bought in Duranguito. They knew what was coming. And so they sat on this golden egg. Um, and so the city would tell you, oh, they're blighted, they're blah, blah, blah. Well, these folks are not landlords. They were they were investing in this land. They knew the city would pay them nicely. And so you have the mayor saying, these are worthless properties. And then you have the mayor approving the payment of three times their appraised value by the Central Appraisal District. Like the hypocrisy of this and the immorality of this is crazy. Um, and so, and but uh, like, who would pay the millions of dollars to bring those buildings just up to code? You know, to put something in there. You got a business owner, and if they're looking at some place uh, to put a, a restaurant or whatever, and you're looking at this hundred and uh, hundred year old building, it's being done. It's being done right, right next door on Leon Street. There's a Pantovilla uh, restaurant that's opening up, and so it's not impossible. These are not huge buildings, um, and yes, they need to be invested in because people have been neglecting them for so long. But now they're publicly owned, and so the city of El Paso could put some money into them the way that they've put into the Plaza Hotel. We We've put in $87 million for 27 buildings downtown, and those are private buildings, right? You cannot go use a restroom there. They are privately owned, but they were publicly funded. Um, And so why aren't we doing that in Duranguito? Why is our history, our Mexican-American history, just not worth anything to this city? Now, usually uh, progressives are for for more taxes and not less, but you're running on uh, a plan. Well, let me just ask you, do you think that as El Pasoans, we're overtaxed, especially compared compared to similar sized cities across Texas? 
cities, I mean, homes in El Paso are, are affordable based on sales price, not based on their property taxes. And so my clients um, are the ones that are, you know, trying to figure out how to pay their taxes. They're getting deferrals if they're older, which means that when they die, their kids are going to inherit debt. Um, they're getting tax loans. They're getting reverse mortgages. They're trying to figure out how to fix the house or pay the taxes. Um, and then they live in these neighborhoods that still have potholes, that still have vacant homes that no one's doing anything about. And so I am... I am um, uh, nobody cares about that until you figure out you can make a bunch of money off of it. Right? <laughs> and then they go in and repair all the stuff, right? Right. Well, right. and like that was like my neighbor. Oh, my, I mean, they kick them out and then well, repair the stuff. Well, no, I like my, my neighbor had to move because they were on a fixed income and they said the property taxes growing up too high and they had to move to a less... Uh, like an area very far from where we live and which made me sad because I like to do yoga and go to the bar with him. Like they were sweet, but they, they said that they're like, we can't on a fixed income. We can't keep affording the property taxes. And that was by three or four years ago. And they had to move across town to somewhere else. People are leaving. You know, they're going to New Mexico if they can, just yeah. to avoid the property taxes. And so it's, it's not a joke to me. Yes, I am a progressive, but to me, that means like I said, there are two El Pasos and the rest of us pay for the two El Pasos to live the way they want to, to have these subsidies, to have this Great Wolf Lodge fiasco and land swap and land giveaways and things like that, while the rest of us bear the brunt. And so I think that I'm, I'm done and that's why I'm running. Um, so yes, I am in, in many ways fiscally conservative um, because I do want us to think sustainably. I cannot, you know, do the environmental programs that I want to do unless we curtail the waste that we're, that we're having and we stop burning people with these horrible tax debts because that's why you, you drive through some neighborhoods and the homes are falling apart and you talk to folks and they're like well how can I fix my roof I can't I'm trying to just not lose my home to the tax office um, that doesn't make El Paso beautiful it doesn't raise anyone else's sales prices either so it is all cyclical. Um, I think I'm the only candidate that's able to articulate all of these things and is able to think about the big picture, which I think sometimes is hard for people to hear. I uh, And I don't know if this would surprise people or not, but I, I consider myself an environmentalist. And I'm just wondering, with the situation as dire as it is, what kind, and I want to hear, what kind of things could be done on a local level mm -hmm. that are really going to have an impact when the problem is so enormously large? Buzz, I, you know, I've been an environmentalist for 25 years, which means I've had anxiety and depression um, for 25 <laughs> years. Yeah. Same. I didn't, I didn't think I could, we would make it to 2020. I mean, yeah. you know, because we, it's so. Well, the other side here. uses that as a thing. They'll, they'll go but back and find here. some report. It's like, well, we're in 2020. And I mean, California's still, burning, yeah, but who Calif likes it? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. But go ahead. Your point. So my point is that we have made a lot of advances, right? In solar energy, when we were fighting El Paso Electric in Montana Vista in 2017, excuse me, 2013, there there was still the issue of can you store solar energy, right? Because it's one thing to generate the energy, but then how do you store it like in a battery? That has like we have come so far ahead in the technology that it's actually viable so that your lights don't go out when the sun goes down. Um, and so we have made a lot of advances. Solar energy is one of the most important ways that El Paso could reduce the pollution in the air. Um, but we don't control Paso Electric. We passed that up a year ago. Wasn't there a thing where some people got solar plates put in, but then they'd still be charged They're from still, the electric you're, company? You're still mm -hmm. charged for using the grid. 
And so because it's not publicly owned, they can do whatever they want. However, the city does have a stick, and the stick is that every time they want to make a change, we can protest. Finally, this Tuesday, the city said, yes, we're not going to we're going to oppose uh, publicly the um, the expansion of Newman six, which I think is a really good move, because now you can as an attorney, I can tell you if it's in the right way, you can use that protest um, through the PUC to get them to go to solar energy. You can use that as a stick to get them to convert. Otherwise, they're going to do whatever they want, including increasing our rates while they're increasing our pollution, and we still have to deal with outages. There's no reason why our people have to go to cooling centers because they cannot turn on the AC in their home. It's just, it's how are we doing this in 2020 to our people? Um, It's unfathomable to me. We have to deal with the pollution from the refinery from electric, the electric company, and from our, our traffic. We have a lot of traffic. When we talk about expanding I-10, that is not for us. It is not for El Pasoans. Let's yeah. be clear. That is for 18-wheelers. That's why they want to expand the highway. That's why they're bringing in warehouse jobs. We're going to become a transportation hub, which I understand that we need jobs. However, we're also going to be the recipients of a lot of pollution, which we cannot afford to do. Well, that's what, kind of what wow. I meant when I was talking about how huge the problem is. I mean, if you got some kind of uh, pollution restriction it's not going to apply to all this traffic that's traveling interstate right wow right yeah no, that's not uh, something I thought veronica about. carbajal is running for mayor is this the first time you've run for office yes. any kind? You're, <laughs> yes. you're a political newcomer then. i've been a lawyer for 16 years i've never run for office if you uh if people want to find out more about your ideas and what you plan to do and and what your thoughts are yeah, where so, would you direct them to? so veto for mayor is the website if you want to find out more give a contribution get involved um we're also on Twitter. We're also on Facebook. We're on TikTok. We have 80,000 views on, on one of the videos on TikTok that I made by mistake. Um, we have, <laughs> uh, you know, and we're on Instagram. Um, we know that the city manager reads our Twitter because he's made reference to some things um, during city council, which has All been right. interesting. Um, so, yeah, that's where you can find us. All right. Very good. Veronica uh, Carbajal, thank you very much for coming by today. We appreciate Absolutely. the visit. It's the Buzz Adams Morning Show podcast. All right, we're going to get back uh, into it with uh, another one of the candidates for mayor, and this is Carlos Gallinar. Hi, Carlos. Hey, Buzz. How are you? Carlos was mentioning that he listened to uh, to the show in the '90s. I take it from that you're a you're an El Paso native, 100 percent, born and raised. Um, We were were talking about downtown development, and that sounds just from your background that that's something that's really in your wheelhouse. So why don't you tell us a little bit about your background, urban planning, and things like that. Yeah, sure. So, Buzz, listen, thanks for having me on here. As you mentioned, yeah, running for mayor of El Paso, born and raised here in El Paso, grew up in the Lower Valley. Proud son of immigrants, right? Like many El Pasoans, uh, that's the story that we tell. Um, Youngest in my family. uh, Youngest of six boys in my family. So you could imagine our summers... Uh, all boys? All boys, man. Yeah. All, the youngest of six, first to graduate college, went to UTEP. Uh, I will tell anyone who will listen that UTEP changed my life. Uh, and by extension, my kid's life, right? That's what's supposed to happen as immigrant, as a son of immigrants. You come to the U.S., you, my parents did better than they would have anywhere else, and you do better, and then your kids do the best. And so very proud to be from El Paso, very proud to have graduated from UTEP. I then worked at the El Paso Community Foundation uh, back in 1998, 1990. And if you remember at that time, and I'm going to get to the downtown, there's a transition here. If you remember at that time, even within our generation, man, 
downtown was not what it is. That's today. very kind of you to put our generations <laughs> together. Thank you. Uh, but downtown is not what it is today, right? I remember the Mills Building being this ugly brown uh, stained glass thing that nobody would enter. Uh, San Jacinto Plaza wasn't what it is today. So uh, I became an urban planner by uh, transitioning to the El Paso Community Foundation, met a wonderful man by the name of uh, Nestor Valencia, who had been the planning director here for many years, went on to get a graduate degree at Rutgers in city planning, came back in 2005, had been doing all sorts of really great, awesome things here in the city of El Paso. Let me talk about downtown. Yeah. Um, you know, um, when you go to any city in the United States as a, as a tourist, as a visitor, the very first place you're going to go is to their downtown. That's true of San Antonio, Austin, Albuquerque, Phoenix, Tucson, L.A. I don't know. Does anybody go to – well, they might now go they to do, downtown yeah. L.A. Well, yeah, that's right. But L.A.'s sort of the exception, right? You because, used to not go to downtown L.A. That might have changed. No, it's changed. Really, yeah. It's changed tremendously because that's exactly right. If you looked at downtowns in the – 70s, 80s, 90s, as I just mentioned about our own downtown, they were in the pits, man. The downtowns were the, the, the what the, in your That's imagina- accurate, yeah. your imagination, you, sure. it was poor. You stayed away. There were some cities you definitely stayed away That's from right. Downtown. And so cities starting in the 90s through the 2000s have reimagined their downtowns. Now downtown is where you go and spend money. It's where you want to live. It's where you, um, you do a whole bunch of different um, entertainment options, right? So here's the thing about downtown El Paso. Uh, started working on it in the 1990s, uh, worked on the Plaza Theater, which is one of the first major uh, projects that- That's been great. Came. Yeah, it's been great. And so we need more things in downtown, Buzz. We need more housing. We need more uh, people of all ages living downtown. We need to, you know, if you still walk downtown, there's still a lot of empty storefronts. And so well, let's- let, let me bring up uh, something we were just talking to our last guest about, uh, the downtown arena, yeah. the Durangito. Um, it sounds like you're-, you're your pro development downtown. What did you think about the the ballpark and yeah. that project? And did what did you have to do with it, if anything? The ballpark, I think, um, is a great project. You see people from all over El Paso, families still going did there. Did you think that when it was going on, when it was being voted on and negotiated and yeah, stuff? Yeah, you know, so I wasn't at the city at that time, but I was an advocate for it only because, listen, Buzz, this is a city that needs more opportunities, not less. And so um, if you look at that project, yeah, listen, there's, there's controversies surrounding the finances. There's controversies surrounding the way it went down. But tearing down City Hall. Yeah, <laughs> you know, there's listen, all that. City Hall was already on its way out. The lifespan yeah. of City Hall had reached, its, it had reached its limit, 40 years, right? Built in the 70s. So at that time, you were either going to, going to spend millions of dollars rehabbing City Hall or you were going to build a new City Hall. And that's true because it's in the comprehensive plan of which I worked on. I'm happy to show you. There's new, there's illustrations for a new city hall. Um, you know, Buzz. Listen, I I love the arena. Uh, I'm sorry, I love the the ballpark. I'm gonna, All right. Let's clarify the arena, and I'm I'm going to talk about that in just a second. But yeah, it's 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 a it's a project that gives people opportunities. I'll be to, I'll be 100 honest. I wasn't totally on board, like the way that it went yeah, on and everything. Sure. But I go to the ball games, and it looks like everybody loves it. So what do I know, right? Uh, Buzz, <laughs> um, I. We need more things downtown, not less. All right, then let's talk about the arena a little bit. So the arena on, let me say a few things, okay? Mm -hmm. In 2012, I, along with thousands of El Pasoans, voted for it. I also voted for the Children's Museum. I voted for the Mexican-American Cultural Center. I voted for the arena, multi-purpose center. You know, Buzz, I have two young children, and I tell the story that when I voted for those things, my daughter Olivia was five years old. By the time we opened the Children's Museum, she'll be celebrating her quinceanera. 
it shouldn't take this long, right? So I was as enthused as everyone else, wanted to see a revitalized downtown, wanted to see more amenities, more opportunities for families and people to visit El Paso and for us, those of us who live here. Here's the thing, that ship has sailed. Thank you, Oscar Leeser. Thank you, Mayor Margo. It's too late. The cost has doubled, uh, so we can't find additional taxes or debt. I'm not going to do that to the taxpayer. And so it's time to move on. And I have Well, let's this, be clear that there yeah. were obstacles. I mean, there, there are still obstacles. I mean, uh, the people who want to save that Durango neighborhood, we just, we just spoke to one of them. Yeah, <laughs> so but, what's your opinion of that? Buzz, the, the, you know, this administration has done a poor job of bringing people to the table. That this you think there's been a lack of transparency? One hundred percent. All right. Yeah, not, talk not about that. A little not bit. only I. When you talk to mm-hmm. you know, we've talked to thousands of voters over the past year, engaging them through this campaign. That's what I hear, Buzz. Hey, listen, this this administration has been less than transparent, and not only less than transparent, less than willing to negotiate, less than willing to bring people to the table. How much goes on behind closed doors? Because I mean, those city council meetings are online. Mm-hmm. The mayor seems to address the media fairly frequently so how much of it is transparent how much of it is not transparent i don't know that he addresses the media fairly frequently well, I he can't... calls us well, <laughs> <laughs> we sure. do have him on speed down yeah. Yeah. okay uh well again you're the exception not the rule right <laughs> i can't remember buzz the last time that uh this administration or the former administration both of which want another bite at the apple uh have had a proactive community meeting have answered questions on the arena can you no, no, no. There's the, no town hall meetings. I mean, it's no kind of public got, participation. It, it's kind of gotten kind of tribal. I mean, with some of the stuff with the people who are against the development right. and the people who are on the, you know, it's a thing both, where you really draw up your sides. Both that. diametrically opposed. So, so yeah. here's my position, right. Buzz. Listen, it, I, in my estimation, it never should have gotten to that point. Listen, nope, you're never going to agree with everyone, and that's okay. That's why it's a democracy. That's why it's you're a human. That's why you're. Uh, engaging in society and the lives that we live, right? But Buzz, listen, you could have had an opportunity to bring people to the table to um, look at that project differently. And so, uh, I, you know, we need to move on. We, there's many other things, and I'm happy to talk about that we need to do in this community uh, besides the arena. All right. Uh, let me bring up some uh, specifics then, if I can. We've uh, got some Really shocking numbers about the COVID-19 yes, sir. Uh, situation, right? Set over 700 new cases, and people think, well, at least there's not that, you know, deaths. And Lisa pointed out to me, you got to wait a few weeks, you know, to mm-hmm. see the deaths from those kind of numbers. How has the uh, city done on this issue? I assume it's still going to be an issue, whoever the mayor That's is right. for the next term. That's right. You know, in some way, shape or another, right. it's going to still be something we deal with. How have they done? What would you have done differently? What will you do differently going forward? So, Buzz, uh, the question of our lifetime, right, this pandemic that we're going through affected more people of color than any other um, demographic, right, disproportionately, and especially El Pasoans. And so the number today at over 700, which is the highest by far, is troubling. And so let me tell you what I have been doing uh, since before we hit this number. Uh, have been advocating for a public health director. It took this administration over 144 days to hire a public health director during the worst pandemic of our lives. Um, and I made it an issue. And every time that I uh, went on a forum with uh, uh, Mayor Margo, he would scoff at it. Carlos, ahaha, we don't need a, a, a public health director. Well, we do. We need to have someone at the helm overseeing every aspect of this pandemic. So I called for a public health director early on, hired one last week, happy that we finally got one on board. 
um, we need to disclose the cl- clusters. We need to be honest and transparent yeah. with people about where 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 you should go or not go. And then that was you, that was a divisive enough thing that it was a tie vote in the city council. Bo- the both right. times they, they and voted the mayor on. had to come on and explain. That's why right. He voted that way. That's right. And listen, if at the end of the day people still choose to go to these places, then it's up to them. But those of us who are wanting to take precautions and be a little bit more careful and safe need to know where we should or should not go. Would you put more teeth into some of the city uh, requirements? Yes, sir. I yep. think we need to have. Uh, and again, it may not be the most popular thing that I'm about to say. We need a mandatory uh, mask. You, you know, if you're going to be in public spaces in the parks, I was in uh, picking up some food um, in downtown over the weekend. You know, I live near uh, Sunset Heights, went over, ordered it online, something that we do regularly, support local businesses. Was in downtown El Paso waiting curbside to get my food. People not wearing masks. And so, again, if you're going to be the mayor of El Paso, you need to, first of all, lead by example. Wear a mask. Well... Uh, I, I want to stop for a second sure. before I lose the train here, but uh, like, if restaurants are open, that's pretty much an exception. Is well, we're going to let you take your mask off to eat in a restaurant, and a lot of people would say, "Well, if you're going to let people eat in a closed in you know space like that, I ought to be able to go without a mask in the park." Yeah, Buzz, but still, listen, um, not if the numbers are going up. Right. If we were trending downward. So do you think with this trend and it, this is a big spike? Huge. This huge. is a huge spike. Yes, do you sir. think we should try and mobilize something to uh, to shut down the restaurants again? No, 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 sir. That's not what I said. Okay. I said mandatory mask in public spaces. So if you're going to be out and about. Um, oh, so a restaurant or bar would not be counted well, as a public space or would it? It would be a, no, it's a restaurant. It's a private, it's privately owned, oh, right? It's right. someone, but, but still let's be clear about this. Uh, keep the restrictions that are in place. So if you're going to a restaurant, mm-hmm. it's still at half capacity. I think now the bar's at 75%. Uh, although I think the county judge scaled that back a little bit. So, but, uh, but here's the thing. No, we need, yes, to your question, we need more teeth. We need more robust response. We need, um, more guidance and more leadership from City Hall. Sorry, guys, we're not going to get out of this until we have that in place. And, and you know, what I just said may not be the most popular thing, but it's the right thing to do, Buzz. And so we're not, you know, the longer we do this, the longer it prolongs our ability to get back to, quote unquote, the new normal. Carlos uh, Gallinar has the endorsement of both uh, our Congresswoman, Veronica Escobar, and a former Congressman, uh, Beto O'Rourke. Yes, so uh, why do you think they chose to endorse you? Um, on Congresswoman Escobar, I could tell you this. She needs a champion at City Hall. Uh, I just spoke uh, earlier about this administration not willing or um, able to work with people. And so uh, I could tell you that, and in, in especially in the next several years, especially during COVID, we will have to be up in Washington, D.C., advocating for as many resources as possible for this community, not only on immigration, but on trade, but on uh, climate change. Uh, and so she needs someone at City Hall that is going to work alongside her to make sure that we're drawing down as many uh, funds as possible. On uh, Beto O'Rourke, great El Paso. And listen, we're, we should all be so very proud of him. As I'm speaking to you, I, it seems like you went to the Beto School of Public Speaking. <laughs> I mean, you really, it reminds me of Beto because I got to know Beto pretty well over the years. Yeah, uh, Maybe, but I don't know. <laughs> 
Uh, let me say this. You've um, got your sleeves rolled up to exactly the Beto <laughs> level of sleeves rolled it's up. That's funny, yeah. <laughs> uh, Buzz, on Beto, first of all, we should all be very proud of him, right? Great El Paso, and if Texas turns blue, Beto should take responsibility. Mm. He's called millions of uh, Texans throughout El Paso. Gave Ted Cruz real school. Yeah, that's right. And so I am proud to have his endorsement. I am proud of the work that he is doing. Um, you know, uh, just great El Paso. And so I'm proud of that endorsement. I'll take it. The uh, one thing I want to talk about, there was a, uh, a forum. I think I don't think it was a debate. I think it was a mayoral forum. And on uh, the issue of policing, you had said that if you're the mayor, you're going to fire Greg Allen. Yes, sir. Do you stand by that? I do. Why? We, we don't have the same kind of problems that other cities have seen. I mean, we don't have... If if we have them, we we don't hear about them. Cases. Uh, I know that uh, Chief Allen had said some some un, unfriendly things about Black Lives Matter. Is called that, him a radical hate group. Called him a radical hate group. Yes, sir. Um, but as far as the performance of the police, I mean, I think we we have a pretty good police department under the leadership of Greg Allen. How do you think not? Yeah, but so we uh, city is spending millions of dollars defending unlawful deaths against this police department. The case that comes in uh, to mind is Eric Sanchez Salas um, shot in the back in his own home. And so that's just one example. There's others. Um, when did so, this happen? Uh, 2016, 17. Mm-hmm. Um so that's number one. Number two, you know, um, when you have the chief of police calling Black Lives Matter a radical hate group, um, I think that's inappropriate, especially during this uh, situation that we're going through nationally. Well, I uh, think when he, call, when he called them that, it was it was before George Floyd and, and the current protests, right? Goes, no, sir. It no, was back it was, in 2016 as well. No, no, that's what I mean. It was back in 2016, so he... he well, has, but does it matter, Buzz? He has adamantly remained silent. Like he, that's, you that's know, also troubling. Uh, I want to hear from my police chief. I want to hear that he that he is going to enact uh, the best policies in our police department. I, th- you know, I, I think that's the responsibility of a police chief. Let me also finish with this. So uh, we're we're spending millions of dollars defending the police department. I don't believe that he um, is is doing everything possible to make sure that um, that we are where we need to be in terms of our police reform. And Buzz, I've said this, we, we are not going to move on to uh, this city forward with the same people that brought us here. That includes the mayor, that includes the police chief. Uh, you know, he was also at a Republican uh, party in uniform. I don't care what his politics are, but uh, if he wants to go to a Republican party event with no one wearing a mask, that's up to him. But don't show up in uniform, you know, on using taxpayer dollars to to publicize his politics. I think that is inappropriate. I don't think that is the kind of leadership that we want to have at City Hall. And, uh, and Buzz, let me also finally uh, on this issue. Yep. It, just because I say that uh, about Chief Allen does not mean I am anti-police, does not mean that I will not stand with the men and women in uniform. There are many, many wonderful uh, individuals that are police officers. We need to give them the resources that they need. They need body cameras. They need uh, better help with, uh, you know, diversifying their, their services. So they shouldn't be, ha- they, we, you know, when it comes to mental health issues, let's put some money into those resources. We ask cops to do a lot of different jobs. 100% agree, Buzz. And so that's part of the, when I talk about police reform, um, that's, what I, that's what I'm talking about. Let's look at the, the gamut of, the, of our police force, starting with the chief of police. And then let's make sure that we are doing everything possible to keep everyone safe, including 
our men and women in uniform. All right, Carlos Gallinard, you want to direct people where they can find you? They want to find out more about yes. your platform, your ideas, and yeah, so forth? Yeah, carlosformayor.com is our website. We are on social media, on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Uh, just Google Gallinard for El Paso, Carlos for Mayor. Um, Buzz, let me finally say this. We have engaged with more voters than any other candidate. I knocked on 4,000 doors before COVID. Uh, between May and now with uh, a robust group of volunteers, we have called over 20,000 voters. I say this only because I think that the way that people campaign is the way that you should expect people to govern. Uh, you know, I have not seen the other former mayors in forums. I have not seen them uh, engage with people. I think I've seen uh, Mr. Oscar Leeser more on television than I have seen him out in the community. And so that is unacceptable. If, if people are, are going to choose a mayor, they want someone that is going to be of service, someone that is going to be available, someone that is going to invite people to the table. Enough. We need change at City Hall, and that is why I am running for mayor. All right, Carlos, thank you very much. I appreciate you dropping thank by you, today. Buzz.